Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Joshua chapter 3 and reading for our text, verse 4. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, that is the ark of God and the congregation, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way here to form. And I want to speak again in the series, The Way, on a way not passed before. In our text, there's two mentions of the way that ye may know the way by which ye must go, and also ye have not passed this way here to form. Moses has died. The children of Israel have completed their time of sojourn in the wilderness, And now they are for the first time passing over Jordan and passing into Canaan. We read in Hebrews that those that have embraced the promises, seen them afar off, those that confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth, declare plainly that they seek a city. And that city is declared to be a heavenly one. What Israel went through, the children of Israel, was typical. Going out of Egypt, Egypt like the Egypt of this world, the wilderness journey, a pilgrimage, strangers and pilgrims, no resting place, all the time on the move. And then Jordan, typical of the river of death, that which divides the wilderness to the promised land, that through which they must pass if they were to enter into Canaan, and death that you and I must go through if we are to enter into the heavenly Canaan, into heaven itself, into that which God hath promised to them that love him. So this way, and especially thinking of entering upon another year, we haven't walked this year before. Whatever is before us in it, it is a new year, a new path. We can't expect it to be a repeat of last year. And there will come a time when it is our last year when we must go through death and no one has been through that path before. We might say that uh, Lazarus, the widow of Nain's son, they did, uh, or, or the Shunammite's son, but they knew not what was beyond. They didn't have any report of what was beyond. And they lived but to die 
again and not to live again or not to be raised again until that last great day. And so only those like Enoch and Elijah who were taken straight up into heaven without dying have known what it was not to pass through death. But they did know what it was to have the change, the same as those of the Lord's people at the last day. They will know what it is to be changed instantly, this mortal putting on immortality, an equivalent, you might say, to death. But here is a way, a way that we must go, a way that we must know which way to go, and a way that we have not passed heretofore. And so there's much instruction in this verse. I want to look with the Lord's help, firstly, at a destination known by report. Known by report. And then secondly, a way not passed by us before. And then thirdly, a way that we may know and how we may know that way. But firstly then, a destination known by report. The children of Israel were told that they were to be given the land of Canaan. The Lord told them that they should have a land where they did not need to build houses or to plant vineyards. It would be a prepared land for them. Others had done it. It was what Eden was. Eden was prepared and then Adam was put into it. Canaan was prepared and the children of Israel put into it. Heaven itself shall be prepared and the people of God brought into it. Our Lord says, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Right through the scripture, the Lord is a preparing God. You know, sometimes you read of people and they'll buy a house and it needs much work done on it and they'll move into it before that work is done and they virtually live in a building site, moving from room to room as they renovate and get that house done. Eden was not like that. Canaan was not like that. Heaven will not be like that. It is like someone, the house is completely done. And all they need is to move in. It's fully furnished, fully prepared for them. It is set forth to the children of Israel and to us in a spiritual way for heaven as an inheritance. It comes to us through the death of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He is our inheritance and he it is that makes heaven itself. In the scriptures we are given those pictures of heaven, a heavenly land, 
a land where there is no more, no more death, no more sickness, no more crying, no more sighing, no more separation. Uh, those tribulations of the way are no more, no more tempting devil, no more sinful, uh, evil flesh. A real difference in heaven. It is told that it is not even entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for them that love him. We know it shall be most beautiful, a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, where there shall be no need of the sun or of the moon, for the Lord himself is the light of that place. And may we remember when this world was created that the Lord gave light before the sun or moon were in existence. He divided the night from the darkness and made day when there was no sun nor moon. Those are created and put as ordinances of heaven. But in heaven the Lord is the light of that place. So we see through a glass darkly. We can see but little pictures of it, but very imperfect. The Apostle Paul, he says regarding death, it is absent from the body and present with the Lord. And he says uh, that in that uh, new creation, we shall see him and we shall know even as we are known and that we shall be like him for we shall see him and be with him. We shall bear that image of the heavenly. In his epistle to the uh, Corinthians, he speaks of that body that we shall have, a celestial body. Mortality must put on immortality. We read a Job saying that after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He knew the resurrection. He knew what it was to have not just a mythical idea or just something, a figment of imagination, but a real substance, heaven itself, uh, that new Jerusalem, a heavenly city, that prepared place so beautifully set forth in the revelation and where the people of God are all there. In his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. There shall be the angels, there shall be the spirits of just men made perfect, there shall be those who have gone before us that we knew here below and we shall know them in heaven. The scriptures, I believe, are very clear on this and the reality of an eternity with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And we know this as a destination by report. The children of Israel had had the spies go through as well in the literal land of Canaan. Forty years before, thirty-eight years before, 
they brought back a report, but then they made out that it was a land too hard for them to conquer. Of course, Canaan was not like the heavenly Canaan, no wars in the heavenly Canaan. Uh, once they entered into Canaan, they had to, as we read here, and it was the Lord that would drive out in verse 10, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites. The Lord was to do that. He was to deliver them and to give them that land. And so they knew it by God's promise. They knew it by report of the spies. They uh, had that prospect that was set before them. And so the people of God, the Thessalonian church, not only were they called, but to wait for his son from heaven, to have an expectation of the excellency on the recompense of the reward in heaven. If in this life only we have hope in Christ with all men most miserable, but we have a hope beyond the grave and we have a hope that is a living hope, a lively hope, a hope resting upon the word of God, upon what God hath promised to them that love him. And so uh, we have this destination known by report. May we often think of it, meditate upon it. May it be true that our conversation, or as it can also be translated, our citizenship is in heaven. Sometimes we might have a citizenship in a land that we are not living in. Many years I had in Australia. I was never a citizen of Australia. Uh, I was uh, a resident, a permanent resident. My citizenship always was here in England. Then right through my childhood and growing up until coming over here, had that expectation that the Lord would one day bring me back here. And he has done. I've lived longer over here now than ever I did the 31 years in Australia. And it was then first a land by report and then uh, seen, visited before we actually moved over here. But my citizenship was here. And because of that, my thoughts often went here and... Uh, that was, it, it has a great weight. Those that travel throughout the world makes a very big difference. If they get into trouble, then it is the country that they have citizenship of that looks after them. They can have recourse to, they can go to the embassies, they can expect that help, not from a country that they're not citizen of, but from a country that they are. And so God's people as well may expect that help from that country of which they, by the new birth, by God's choice, by Christ's suffering for them upon Calvary's tree, they are citizens of, even though we are not yet there, even though we are still this side of the grave, that is where 
We have our citizenship. That is where our title is. And so this is a destination by report. Have we believed that report? What does it mean to us? Do we often think of a desired haven? We read that in Psalm 107. So he bringeth them to a desired haven, the heavenly Canaan. Is it desired by us? And do often we think on where those who have gone before us are now, the joys that they have, what they have entered into, when we have seen and heard of their expectation here below and then realise that now it is no more an expectation but fulfilled and they see the Lord and are where they have often thought and longed to be. And may that be so with us. We get so earthbound sometimes, but may we think of this picture before us with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Would we always want to be in the wilderness? Would we always want to be wandering? Or do we have that to look forward to beyond the grave, beyond death, beyond Jordan? So a destination known by report. Blessed are we if we know it and believe it by report. Well, I want to then think of our second point, a way not passed by us before. Others have passed through, but not us. And Israel, of course, as we mentioned before, had, had never been over Jordan before in all their journeys, nor into Canaan. And yet this year, this time, was going to be different for them. In all their movings that they had moved before, and every time they took down the tabernacle and the ark was taken out and it was put uh, on the shoulders of the Levites, bearing it on the staves, it had never gone in this way before. It had never gone through the waters before. When they went through the Red Sea, the ark was not made then. This was the first time the ark was to go over a river. And we think of our lives. We think of a way not passed before. As we just enter from one year to another, some years in our lives, there's very little difference. Not much is done. Sometimes we notice as we read the scriptures and it records one kingdom ending, another beginning. And you have a period sometimes of 20 years, 40 years, and nothing is recorded of note what has been done. Nothing remarkable at all. Other times you have times that in a very short space of time, many things are noted. And, you know, most of the wilderness journey is very, very little recorded. Only a few chapters in Numbers of the Word of God describe that 40 years journey. 
and the rest is silence. So many year after year, it was a sameness, it was the wilderness. But this way, they had not passed before. And you think of some of the characters in the Word of God. You think of Jacob, we read of his birth. Then you read of him deceiving his father, receiving the blessing, and, and then fleeing and going to Laban, the blessing he had at Bethel, but he was 60 years of age then. What had happened in the earlier part of his life? We are not given account of that. But that year, that year he left home, never to see his mother again, to come back to his father with two wives and children and great wealth. That man's life had completely changed that year. Such a turning point. A way not passed before. We think of Joseph when he went out to see how his brethren were to bring them victuals. When they took him and sold him, his life changed. It was never, never the same again. May have been the same year after year, but now everything changed. We think how it was with Hannah. Year after year we read, she went up to worship at Shiloh. She had no children, Penina had children, and her adversary provoked her. And year after year was the same. Repeat, no child. A provoking adversary. And then a year, one year, one time was different. She prayed. And Eli said to her, The Lord give thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And the Lord did. He gave Samuel. And then she comes up. She weans him a few years and then comes up. For this child I prayed, the Lord hath given me my petition that I have asked of him. And then she, she leaves him at Shiloh. You know, from that time of prayer, her life changed year by year didn't always just stay the same. Sometimes we can think, if we were in Hannah's shoes, we've got a trial this year, and we've got a trial the next year. I'm barren this year, I'm going to be barren the next year. I'm lean this year, I'm going to be lean the next. We're few this year, we're going to be few the next. And we never think there's going to be a change. But the Lord is able to affect and to bring changes and sometimes very suddenly. Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, never thought that it was going to be a change in his life as he's going to Damascus with letters to hail it with people of God to prison. But the Lord stopped him on that Damascus road and his life was never the same again. A changed character a call by grace, a real conversion. Each year was not the same. It was a way not passed before, entering upon a new life, 
a new path, a new way. And this will be right through our lives, entering upon a new year, change and decay. In all around we see that remains the same. But the Lord's providence, his providence unfolds the book and makes his counsels shine. The Lord's purposes, they ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. We prove right through our lives that though we may go year on year, and it is the same, we've walked that way before, yet there has been those remarkable times when it can be said as we've entered upon our walk before. It is, it is new, it is different. How many times there's fears in that way, the unknown way, many fears. Those that are used to travelling, those that know exactly what to do, especially if it's going by air, how to get to the airport, what, how to check in, how to go through, all the things to do. When we've done it many, many times, then it's not something we particularly worry about. We know what to do. We just go through the same way. And that is contrasted with someone who's never flown before. And it's an obstacle. It's a difficulty. It's something can't be pictured, can't be known. And there's fears. Will we know the way? Will we know what to do? What do we expect? We're not sure what to expect. There's a great difference between walking a way that we've known and a walking a way that we have not known in paths. And we think of the promise of the Lord with his people in calling, I'll lead the blind by a way that they know not. I will bring them in paths that they have not known. And it is the blessing of the Lord to do that. What a solemn thing. If we come into this world and we only know the way of the ungodly, we only know the way of the lost, we only know of the uncalled, unregenerate, there's never a change, we're never called, we're never given a new heart, a new nature, the new birth. How vital it is that one year in our lives, one time in our lives, we begin in a way that we have not passed before. We may have seen others born again, called, baptised, quickened, but we have not. But what a difference when we do and when we are called to walk that new path before us. So why not pass before? But then think of the very end. Think of what this sets forth when it sets forth death, the river of death, when it is the Jordan. You know, it was said it overflowed its banks all the time of harvest. Our Lord was very clear when he spoke of the parables that the harvest is the end of the world. It's when he gathers his people in when he gathers those shocks of corn that are fully ripe into his heavenly garner. And death is like that. And this then is a way 
a way over Jordan that we have not walked before. How many times we look at it from a distance, afar off. We see others walk through it. We may have illnesses and conditions of which we have to face the reality of death more than other people. But we see it afar off. And then when we have seen our loved ones, perhaps our parents, breathe their last, we've seen them on their deathbed, they've known they were dying, their strength was failing, they were saying their goodbyes, they knew that they were soon to depart this life. We could only stand by, we could only talk to them, we're not in their position, but one day we will be in their position and we will be passing that way that we've never, ever passed before. And this then is what is highlighted here. Ye have not passed this way here tofore. Want to then look thirdly at a way that we may know. In our text we read here, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. And this is emphasised the needing to know it because ye have not passed this way heretofore. We are to know the way, know the way, not by experience, but by being told of this way. And yet we would say in regard to experience, in one way the Lord's people do know the way because when the dear disciples were asking the Lord in John chapter 14 and they thought they didn't know the way, the Lord was saying, I go to prepare a place, go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? He thought they didn't know either where he went or the way. And our Lord's answer, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so then when you come to the passage that is before us, we have a picture, we have a type that is set before us. Let us read the text again. This is speaking of the ark. Uh, but yet there shall be a space. If we read from verse 3, uh, they commanded the people saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, that's about half a mile. Come not near unto it, 
that he may know the way by which he must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. So the knowledge of the way for the Israelites here was all to do with the ark, with the ark, with the space between it and going after it, following it. What a message this is, where the ark sets forth our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, in the ark was the two tables of stone, the fulfilled law of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the ark was, or beside the ark, was the pots of manna. He is the bread of life. There was Aaron's rod that buttered the anointing and approval of God the Father. This was all upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Above it was the mercy seat, the cherubims, the blood-sprinkled seat. I will meet with you from over the mercy seat. It beautifully sets forth our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the people were to see it. Every one of them were to see it. You know, we had a time early in their journeys where they were being smitten by the serpents and Moses was commanded to raise up a brazen serpent. And those that looked to it, they lived. Well, some might have been very close Others would have been very far off. They're only seen it in a very faint way. But those that were looking there, they were cured. We think of Solomon's prayer concerning the temple, the dedication of the temple. Those that were held captive, those in far off lands, if they looked toward this place and pray toward this t temple, then here thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And we have uh, Daniel right away in Babylon, hundreds of miles away. And there he is praying, opening his window towards Jerusalem. It is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That is where to run the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. And here, especially, uh, I believe in, in a very practical way, uh, you know, if something is very close to a multitude, we can't see it because of the people thronging. But if something is removed afar off, then we can see it because of the distance. And I believe that is one practical reason why is it far off? But we have another reason, a spiritual reason, a typical reason. For the Old Testament saints, they looked forward to Christ. They saw in the sacrifices, they saw in uh, the animals that were, their blood was shed, they saw a suffering Christ, they saw the blood shed. Uh, they looked to Christ in Hebrews 11, that whole cloud of witnesses, they died not having received the promises, but seeing them afar off and were embraced them, were persuaded of them. That's how they died. They died looking at these promises afar off. And the type here, they have the ark afar off from the camp and they're looking to that. 
As if the Holy Spirit would say this. This is how you are to pass over Jordan. This is how you are to live and to die. You are to follow this ark. You are to remove from your place and follow it. And so with the Old Testament saints, that's how it was. And maybe remember how this type worked out as well. Because before here we come to the end of the chapter, we have the ark standing firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed over. It was only then that the ark was brought up out of Jordan. So it would have started with a far off, but when we actually had the people going into Jordan, they would have each of them walked right past the ark. Right past the ark. We know, of course, the ark would have been veiled. It was every time it moved. Not in the school picture books where the ark was not veiled. It was always veiled when it moved from one place to another. But you would see the shape of the veil. You would know... Uh, that there was the ark under it. You'd know the cherubims were there. You knew what was in the ark. Uh, the Lord is veiled. And we see him, we believe in him by faith. In heaven, the veil is not there. That is taken away. We see him as he is. The ark in the holiest of all had no veil over it, it stood before it, and that veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom when our Lord died. And so the ark would have been then seen clearly without a veil between. And that's the picture of heaven. Our Lord seen without a veil between. We have sung recently with uh, the uh, remembering our Lord's coming, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Outwardly, we just see Jesus of Nazareth and then we see him asleep in the ship and then we see him rising and stilling the waves and the storm and they say, what manner of man is this that even the winds and waves obey him? And we see the God shining gracious through the man. We have a picture of the God. It's like as if the veil was lifted up and you look underneath and there is the golden ark. But outwardly, all you see with the veil, first you see blue, which is grace. When our Lord was on earth, they couldn't resist the grace. They saw the grace. Whenever the ark moved, there was the blue. They saw the grace. But under that was just badger skins. And that was such a stumbling block to so many when the Lord was on earth. All they did, they looked past the grace. They couldn't resist that. They couldn't deny the grace of our Lord. But then they saw him a mere man. And that they saw like the badger skins, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, the carpenter's son. And they were offended at him. If they looked more underneath, they would have seen the gold. They would have seen the God. And so with the, the, the picture here, when you and I are brought to go through the river of the Jordan of death, there we shall see the Lord most clear. And this ties in with what our Lord says 
in John 14, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. When Stephen, the first martyr, was passing through this river, being stoned to death, he looked up and testified of seeing the Lord standing to receive him. The Lord was with him in the hour of article of death, not before, but as he was dying, he testified of it, and others, those of my loved ones, have testified of seeing the same, of having the Lord's presence with them in that valley. And so uh, the reason for us at the moment, in the day of grace, we as the Israelites, they look forward to Christ, we look back to Christ. We have the record of how our Lord died, he went into death, he laid down his life and he took it again. And this is what we are to remember. It is a way that we may know, but it is a way that is through. It's not just into death. It is through. The children of Israel went through the River Jordan. They didn't just go into it, not out of it. They came out the other side. Our Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life. He didn't just go into the grave. He came up out again, a risen Saviour. And this is what we are to look to, a following the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I cannot escape death. But in a sense, the Lord has so sanctified it with his presence and going through it. And he's made it to be that way whereby this mortal puts on immortality, whereby uh, this body of death is destroyed, whereby we are brought into the very presence of God. Death is made, though a last enemy, made a friend to the people of God. Because it is the chariot, it is the conveyance, it is the way they're brought to heaven and to be with the Lord and the Lord has gone before that way in front of us. He has passed that way. It is, he has stated that ye have not passed this way heretofore, but they were to see the ark of God passing in front of them. It was going to go before the Israelites. And so we see our Lord Jesus Christ and even Abel, he saw our Lord in offering the more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was by faith that Abraham saw Christ's day and he rejoiced at it when Isaac was taken off the altar, the ram put in his place, Receiving him, we read in Hebrews, as if from the dead. This is the way, way that ye may know. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I determine not to know anything among men, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We are to look, this is how we are to walk this way with death before us. Come not near it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. A way of following. 
a way of viewing the Lord Jesus Christ, a way of faith, a way of prayer, a way to, not just away from this world, but away to that which is to come. A way that the Lord has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The Lord has so consecrated it, sanctified it, sweetly perfumed it as a way that is set before his people to follow after. Remember when our Lord spoke of Peter and that when thou art old thou shalt spread forth thine hands another gird thee, they shall carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And then we read this, this he said signifying by what death he should glorify God being crucified. A death glorifying God. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he speaks of the victory, the victory over death, the victory over the grave. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory, and it is through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. A way not passed before, but it is a way a way that we are to know and a way that we are to pass to enter into that heavenly inheritance with the Lord Jesus Christ and his dear people. You know, the Lord has suffered, bled and died at Calvary and raised again. And that is the way, the only way, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. He who paid our debt, he who redeemed our souls, he who, through his own death and resurrection, takes away the sting of death from his dear people. Death entered into the world because of sin, but the Lord bore the sin of his people and put those sins away on Calvary suffering in our place. The very cause of death the Lord has taken away, taking away the sting of it. If sin is paid for, if sin is atoned for, then that sentence we read in Romans 8, there is therefore now no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And so, Death as a sentence, as a condemnation, is taken away and it's made as a way of entrance into heaven itself. Well, may the Lord grant us to know this way, this way that we have not passed before. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen. Amen.